This is Line Dance Podcast. I'm Christopher Gonzalez. And we're ready for our next article. <clears throat> and this is actually a couple of different articles that don't overlap too much, but cover a lot of same turf. This first one is from daringtolivefully.com, and it is entitled, Eight Ways to Follow Through and Finish What You Start, by Marilisa. And for those of you just turning, tuning in, this is Christopher Gonzalez with Megan Barsulia on Line Dance Podcast on Move Radio. In order to achieve your goals, you have to master the art of follow-through. We're nearing the end of the first quarter of the year. If you're like most people, you started the year with a long list of goals and projects that you wanted to get done in... Well, this says 2015, but... 2017. Your list probably looks something like the following. Lose 20 pounds. Start meditating. Start a blog. Write an ebook. Learn to play an easy song on the guitar. Achieve level B1 in French. Are you following through with the goals on your list? Can you say that you are one-fourth of the way done with any of your projects, or in our case, halfway, since it's now the summer solstice plus one day? If the answer is no, you may have a problem with follow-through. No worries. There are still nine months, <clears throat> six months left before the year is over. You can still salvage your goals if you start following through. Below, you'll find eight ways to follow through on your goals, projects, and objectives so that you can create a habit of completion and finish what you set out to do. Number one, take care of the little balls. Marie Forlo, owner of the blog by the same name, recommends that you create a habit of follow through by taking care of the little balls. For example, if you're answering an email, don't quit mid through and go do something else. Instead, work on the email until it's done, and then press send. As a second illustration, if you're paying your bills, don't get up until you've gone through the whole stack. Forlo indicates that by taking care of the little balls, the big balls will take care of themselves. Um, yeah, it's always about taking the smaller goals, or the big goals, and chopping them up into smaller, more achievable um, goals that will eventually get you to that bigger goal accomplishment. Mm. Um, I know a lot of times it's um, one of the things I used to tell the, the kids I worked with was just take it one day at a time. And if that's too much, take it an hour at a time. And if that's too much, take it a minute at a time. Um, just focus on what you can accomplish. Uh, a lot of the times that's also um, considered like stacking the game in your favor. Um, so if you're looking to learn a, you know, in 108 count dance, you don't start with all 108 counts. You start with the first set of the eight counts, and you start with the first count of those eight counts. Mm -hmm. um, so that's where you start looking at things in a little bit more manageable um, and obtainable position. Mm -hmm. Also, I find that uh, it gives you momentum when you start on tasks, like just fixing your bed that um, that are easy to do and quick, but they still count as a checkbox. Yep. It might not be part of anything overall, but it's still a little win. So you can take that little win and then build on that. And then after you've done five of those 
and they're all just little things like hang up all your shirts or you know wash the dishes that are in the sink, then the next one on the list, which might be a little more of a challenging one that you were trying to avoid, it'll be at that point set up so that you don't want to break the streak. Like you, right. you, you were doing so well, you know, you should add this one on, continue things uh, toward an overall productive day. Kind of like how I have a 23-day streak in my Duolingo French lessons. Mm. And I am adamant at this point about making sure I continue that because I don't want to lose how much work I've gotten just by having the that large of a number. Mm-hmm. So, oh, one thing I should point out also is um, originally I was looking for an article along these lines because we have some choreography projects going on <sighs> in our in our portfolio here that um, some of them have been open for a while. There's one that we we started looking at months and months and months ago, and we just live in abject fear of somebody else coming out with something to that song. And then there's this other one that we've just been working on recently, but we get within about eight counts of being done, and then they're like, uh, but the tag, though. Right. So then we have to go back and take it apart and put it back together. And I decided I would look for articles on how to finish things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Even the one that I just released recently, last week, in fact, K is for Kicks, I finished it in its current form in April, late April, and... Since that time, I thought, well, is it really done, though? Like, I could change this about it, or maybe we could add, like, this little fancy thing to it. Right. And then so t- many drafts. Two months later, I'm like, okay, well, we have an improver version out right now. We have an intermediate version out right now. I guess I'll put out my absolute beginner and just leave it as it is, because I think it, it actually is done. So I put it out, and now I feel a lot better about it. Yeah, and it's actually... it's. A really cute dance. It's really fun, um, and I know the people that have learned it thus far seem to really, really enjoy it. So, yeah. There's even a video in Australia right now that somebody put out a couple of days ago. Um, so just look up K is for Kicks, Christopher Gonzalez. Right. So it's it's nice when you can actually finish something. Yeah. Oh yeah, I and mean, we can go on about like can't walk away and how easy that seemed in comparison after like a week of. I mean, we we really finished it that night. Yeah. And for some reason, that one just felt done. Like, we looked for different ways to tinker with it and maybe change stuff, but, uh, yeah, it, it, was, it was pretty solid. Yeah. Can't Walk Away is uh, set to Craving You by Thomas Rhett, and uh, that features... Um, Maren Morris. Morris. Yes. Or it could be song change to... Uh, in my mind, I had it... Uh, I was like, wait a second, is it Maren Morris or is it Alessia Cara? And... It's the song change that has Zed featuring Alessia Cara. So if you wanted to do it to the song Stay instead of Tick, Tick, Boom, which is also a a neat dance in its own right. Anyway, Little Balls in this case might be something like, all right, we know we want to hit this part in the music. So let's just focus on that thing and what would be the best thing for it. Like if they say, clap your hands in the air or something like that, then you're probably going to want to clap your hands and they're probably going to want to be in the air. Everything else outside of that, like transitional steps, that might take a little longer. Finding something that might feel a little arbitrary, but like kind of works for that song. Those can be more challenging, more interpretive. The easy ones are like Dance Like Your Daddy, where they tell you 
what to do, more or less. And Rick just went, Rick Dominguez, he went along with that structure and built around those particular points in the music. Yeah. Number two. Get comfortable being uncomfortable. Some people are under the mistaken assumption that when they are working on a project they love, they're going to enjoy every step of the way. Then when they realize that there's a lot of hard work involved, that they have to stretch their boundaries and that some steps of the creative process are just plain boring. They quit. People who follow through understand that as they work on important projects, not everything will be pleasurable. However, they push through the short-term discomfort in order to achieve long-term gains. Yeah. I had to give myself a two-day rest on the one we're currently working on because it just got to the point where it was frustrating and overwhelmingly difficult and stubborn and not flowing at all. And so I was like, okay, you know what? I'm going to give myself two days to not listen to the track and then I'm going to come back. And the whole time that I didn't listen to the track, I was fortunate enough to remind myself that um, I'm not allowed to listen to the track as opposed to just totally out of sight, out of mind and totally forgetting about it. Um, and I wanted to listen to it because I wanted to fix the problem so badly. But by taking those two days, when I came back, I was able to find at least an eight count um, that at least hit the music in some degree, whether we kept any of it or not is a totally different story. But at least, you know, like the creative process started flowing again. So it was, it was nice to take a little bit of a break because I was getting to the point where um, it, wa it was past uncomfortable. Hmm. Like it was almost as if I was forcing it. Hmm. Um, and that's certainly never something you want to do with being creative. You don't want to force it. Hmm. Um, but you do want to push past that uncomfortable spot. I would also recommend for people who don't like writing step sheets, just do it. <laughs> because one of the things that can stop you if you if you let's say you have some great dance and you you love how it feels and you're all set to publish it, but you're like, uh snapsheets. They're boring. I don't like them. I don't want to do it. And then you you put it off and you put it off and you tell yourself, well, I don't know how this step would go, so I better just not find out how uh, it would look on paper and just, you know, teach it however. And that's fine until somebody else comes out with a dance that's at the same difficulty level as your dance and they put out their step sheet so everybody is able to learn their dance. Um, Yours ends up in some bin somewhere and you feel all defeated because yours was done. It's, it was done a long time ago, but nobody knew that it was done a long time ago because you didn't write your step sheet. And yes, it can be boring. And yes, you can have to look up certain terms because you kind of know how it's supposed to go, but you don't know what it's called. Google it <laughs> or like talk to a professional. There are many people out there in the line dance world who would be very happy. I think even, um, I want to say Donna Manning has... Uh, a service that she provides on her website where for 50 bucks, like just send her a video and she'll write the step sheet for you. Like she can figure out what you're doing in your video. Maybe she'll ask you a couple clarifying questions, but like other people can do this who know what they're doing. 
So just do that, get through that part, be done with the video. And then also, if you think, well, they can figure it out from the step sheet. I don't need to take 30 seconds to dance through one wall and do the demo. Well, some people really do need to see what it looks like to decide if they're sold on the dance. And then you think, okay, wow, gosh, I'm so sweaty from those 30 seconds of demo that I recorded. I really don't need to take two minutes and record a tutorial video and break down exactly what happens in the step sheet because they can figure that out with the demo and the, the step sheet. No, some people really need to be talked to every step of the way to understand how the step sheet relates to the things that you did in your video at a slower speed. Two minutes. Do it. <laughs> and then it's done. You do it once and then it's done. It can be boring, but it needs to be done if you're going to share this work with anyone outside of your cat. Yeah, I'm a little uh, different. I actually enjoyed writing the step sheet. <laughs> um, and I think it's the, the breakdown process. Mm. Um, like I like being able to describe the movements mm -hmm. for whatever reason. I don't mind it but. on a whiteboard when it's like the very first time that we're doing it. We can see it and clarify it. The part for me is like, I get that sense of accomplishment. Like, yes, the dance is done. We know what all the steps are. There they are on the whiteboard. And now I have to type them all into this document. But we're already done. Like, I know how the dance goes. <laughs> that's, that's, I mean, just send them the picture of the whiteboard. That's the same thing. George doesn't mind typing that into Copperdoff, right? <laughs> Yeah, um, I guess that's where you got lucky hmm. in the sense of I wanted to write the step sheet. Yeah. Also, you didn't have to write the one for nine in the afternoon. and I, I did not. I don't wish that upon anyone. I did not. <laughs> With all its A, B, C, short A, restart here, this part seven counts, this part's eight counts. It's almost exactly the same, but here's there's that extra count. So don't learn nine in the afternoon. That is one of mine. And... I, I dread the day that somebody whips that out at some event in the future and I have to try to remember how it went because I haven't done it since I competed it. Yeah. Oh, also, quick reminder to anybody who's going to Fun in the Sun and entering competition, your step sheets are due June 29th, so submit those. I just got an email about it. Get on it. <clears throat> yep. Number three. Less is more. The other day, I saw an interesting graph go by on my Twitter stream. On one side of the graph, there were five bars, each one partially colored in. At the bottom, it said, bad day. Why? Because by spending the day working on five different things, you were busy all day, but didn't get anything done. On the other side of the graph, there was a single bar, but the bar was completely colored in. At the bottom, it said, good day. Why? Because by spending the whole day working on one thing, you're able to get it done. And that gives you the sense of satisfaction of having seen a task through to completion. The graph looked something like the following. The concept of the graph also applies to your year. A year spent working on 10 different projects without completing any of them is a bad year. A year in which you worked on one important project and saw it through all the way to the end is a good year. Right now, choose your most important project and give it all you've got until it's done. If you still have time before the year is over, start working on your second most important project until it's done, and so on, and so forth. By the end of the year, it's very likely that you won't have gotten all of your projects done, but you will have finished the most important ones. And that's what counts. Unless you're Rachel, and then you can just do everything all the time. She can't do everything all the time. But she's doing realty, she's doing 
whatever she's fixing in her house. She's doing Lips Lumiere. Uh, she's doing she, choreography. She is Superwoman. <laughs> but she's not a machine. As she reminded folks recently in a post to um, yes. her Dance with Rachel in Florida group. Yeah. It um, does take time. It takes, according to her, it was 15 hours to find a new song for um, her recent choreography project. So there is a lot of behind-the-scenes work for Superwoman. Yes. Yes, there is. Mm-hmm. Um, but back to our uh, focusing on one thing as opposed to 20 things. Um, it's hard when there's so much that people want to accomplish to really break it down. But like you were saying, if you start with making your bed, that's a box you can check. Mm-hmm. Um, then, I mean, you can go to the next thing, which is, you know, making sure you take a shower, making sure you cook yourself breakfast and clean up the dishes. And, you know, like little things like that, you can give yourself credit for um, as long as you start and finish it all the way through. Mm-hmm. Um, leaving your dish in the sink does not count. Nope. <laughs> leaving your laundry in a pile is not the first step of the laundry process. Like, no. The first step is guilty. like putting it in the wash cycle. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Um, and and then hanging or putting away your clothes when you're done. That's mm-hmm. that's an extra. Yeah. Um, but certain things like that. So when you're looking at, say, learning a dance, we have hundreds of dances we want to know. But we can't start with all of them at the same time. We can't do eight counts of this dance and 16 counts of that dance and, you know, another eight counts of a different dance. You're never going to learn any of them. So if you start with one of them and you go all the way through until you have a basis point, then you can practice that dance and know that dance. Hmm. I found that to be the case when we were working a little more diligently on our ASL and Java is that if if I went through four videos of, say, the programming stuff uh, in a row, I felt like I got more of like a significant chunk than if we were just doing like back and forth, one and one and one and one mm-hmm. and one. I was able to like unify a lot of the thoughts that are a lot of the concepts in those four videos into one big idea more easily than when it was interweaved with other unrelated ideas. Yeah, it, it was certainly challenging with the ASL, the French, the Java, mm. my pharmacy techno- technician program um, courses. It, it's been a balancing act for sure, but mm. I have at least a system for the most part where it's like, okay, in the morning is when I do this. In the afternoon is when I do that. Um and then some of them I've kind of taken a back seat because the fact that it it came down to it, okay, well, I'm not really learning anything at the moment. So mm-hmm. if I take that one out for right now and I focus on these w- instead, then that's one less thing I'm trying to cram into my brain. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Number four, count the positive effects. The more positive effects a project will have if you finish it, the more motivated you'll be to achieve it, which makes it more likely that you'll see it through to the end. Do the following. Make a list of all the positive effects that the project will have on your life if you finish it. Make a list of all the positive effects that the project will have on your family if you finish it. 
Make a list of all the positive effects that the project will have on your community if you finish it. Make a list of all of the positive effects that the project will have on the world at large if you finish it. If the list of benefits that you come up with is short, consider doing one of two things. Either discard the project or look for ways to modify it so that the project becomes more valuable and has a greater number of benefits attached to its completion. I think that's a good way to decide which dance you need to finish first. If it's one that talks about like enjoying life and getting on the dance floor and being with friends, all that stuff, uh, there are a lot of dances that do that. And you have that one as well as some other like really moody kind of depressing piece that you know it expresses emotions and you have no you have no significant difference for yourself in which one would be uh, faster to finish might want to go with the happy song first and finish that one because the sooner you put that out into the line dance universe the longer people will have to enjoy it before you know the next event or whatever bumps that one out of people's minds whereas if you do the other one first then they will have more time to sit with that other depressing piece but then you'll release the other one later if you even finish it at all and that's less time that they could have enjoyed the happy one in that case i would say that you know having the ability to express the happiness of that first dance um, trumps the value of the other yeah um, knowing what you want out of something is certainly a great motivator in itself. Mm-hmm. Um, and really figuring what it is you're trying to accomplish and why. Mm-hmm. Um, that's when you can look, okay, are my efforts really worth it? Um, am I putting in enough effort? Am I, you know, um, wasting my time because of whatever reason, like this at one point was a priority, but now it's, it has nothing that's going to benefit me. I mean, that's where you can really take advantage of the, um, priorities and listing things of what's most important to you, which again, in my opinion, if it's really, really important to you, you're going to want to focus on it more than less. Mm Mm-hmm. So having more time to complete some project is going to be a greater benefit because you got rid of a couple other little projects that you were kind of like, well, maybe I could do that. Mm -hmm. Also, look at what dances are out there. If you're not sure which one you want to finish or which one you want to start. If I, I just saw a post about this recently, how a lot of people are mislabeling dances as beginner or advanced because a lot of dances are in improver or intermediate and um, it's harder to make a splash on the charts as some unknown choreographer if you are putting your improver or intermediate in with everybody else's. Whereas if there aren't as many in beginner, then you might say, oh, this improver dance could surely be done by beginners and then you put it in the wrong category. Um, If you are looking out at the line dance landscape and you are seeing a lack of new and interesting absolute beginner dances um, or advanced dances because without Guyton and you know if Roy doesn't want to put something out for or if Fred's working on improver and intermediates at the time like if all these various people who are able to do that level of dance aren't doing that 
then there might still be a need or a desire to learn a new advanced dance. And that might be where you come in. And that might be where your dance is well-timed to be of the greatest use to the greatest number of people. Mm -hmm. Maybe in the future, someday, we'll have this big gold rush of you know, new dancers coming into line dance and everyone wants to do a beginner or absolute beginner dance. And then the quote market is flooded with them as fewer people, let's say, you know, Rachel goes into semi-retirement, Guyton's already getting out of it. Like if fewer and fewer people are doing intermediate dances, that might be the time when you're needed there. Yeah. And so on. Just look for what's needed and look for what would be of the greatest value to people and then decide maybe that's the place you should start working on a dance as opposed to other levels. Number five, get clear on what needs to be done. In my post, How to Change Your Life, I explained that, as the Heath brothers indicate in their book, Switch, How to Change Things When Change is Hard, in order to get yourself to take action on your goals, you need to know what to do. After all, if you don't know what to do, how are you going to do it? Do the following. Join a class. Buy the three books, buy the best three books on Amazon on your subject matter. Find someone who has achieved the goal you're working on and pick their brain. Once you've gathered some information on how to achieve your goal, brainstorm possible action steps. Then start taking those steps. Listen to Line Dance Podcast also, because if you aren't able to immediately access the people who have done the things you've done, they've probably said something about it on Line Dance Podcast. Probably. I've interviewed very many people, like more than 50 people at this point, and they have given their tips and tricks and strategies and how they got to where they are now and what they think about when they're trying to create a new project or when they're trying to run an event, they get into all that stuff. So I would definitely use that as a uh, resource as well as Line Dancer Magazine. They have a whole bunch of their archives available for viewing on linedancerweb.com. So definitely consider those two. Oh, and also... Oh, there's like Love to Line magazine. There's Living Line Dance. Just Google search interviews and you'll probably find more than enough uh, information on how to do what it is you're trying to do. Even if it's like trying to do something crazy like win Superstar at Worlds. There's probably somebody who said, here's what they did to prepare. Yeah. Um, I know I got the DJ app that I use um, from listening to the interview with Rachel, mm -hmm. actually. Um and, and that's, that was kind of, um, when I started thinking about the idea of wanting to break into choreography, that was um, some of the things I started doing. Is I started listening to some of the podcasts and what they do. And then I spoke to some of the people that I had contact with that I knew were choreographers that I really respected um, the work they put out. And I asked them a few questions. I also asked them about... The idea of, if at all possible, once I start to get into choreography, if they could give me feedback. Mm -hmm. um, uh, I know I've had a couple people who are willing to work with me so that I can see their process. Um, so there's, there's a lot of different options out there specifically. Um, 
for me as um, a wanting budding choreographer um, that I just started asking questions and that was because okay well this is what I want to do so who am I going to go to with the knowledge well the people who I admire and respect and I enjoy their dances Um, and then on top of that I went in and I just kind of google searched things and I kind of uh, watched uh, a couple different YouTube videos on the processes and like different things you can do. And then I went, okay, well, before I write a step sheet, I got to write a dance. Hmm. Before I write a dance, I got to pick a song. So then, you know, like that was kind of my get clear on what needs to be done process was like, okay, well, before I have the end result, let's work backwards and figure out how to get there. Mm-hmm. So, and then that gave me my starting point. With the three books on Amazon bit, there aren't that many written, published works on specifically line dance, but that's when you can get creative and start thinking, how would related aspects of what I'm looking for uh, help me? Like, for example, when we do these podcast episodes on training in the heat or whatnot. They say training, but we're thinking line dancing. Or when they're talking about how to uh, agree, how to disagree agreeably, they might be talking about some kind of corporate structure where you're disagreeing with coworkers, but we're thinking, again, line dance. So get creative with whatever it is that you're thinking you, you want to solve and just apply it in your mind to line dance, even if it doesn't say it on the cover of the book. Also, where it says join a class, take advantage of workshops and technique workshops where they start getting into things outside of just here's a dance, learn it. But maybe they're focusing instead on how to listen to music and find places that would work with choreography, how to work with more parts of your body than just your feet, how to isolate specific muscle groups and what exercises you can do at home. All of those things are very relevant to line dance and are not just a dance that you learn and then maybe somehow you're able to generalize principles from having learned that dance, maybe not. Yeah, well, with joining the class, I mean, you can take all different kinds of levels. Mm -hmm. You can take all different kinds of styles um, and you can see how the instructor breaks it down mm-hmm. and ha- and as you're learning it focus on where your weight is and how it feels and like look at the shape of the dance and the the flow of it and ha- where they hit it in the music um once you've learned it a little bit more and you're um a little bit more comfortable with it and then this way when you go to do a dance or you go to instruct or you go to that next step then you're going to have a better understanding of what some of the people before you have done. Mm-hmm. And you'll be able to pull from more things. Um, I know I've mentioned a couple times now, like, I want to learn more waltzes because I don't know enough of the waltz style movement for me to write a waltz yet. Mm-hmm. So if I learn more, I'm going to understand more about how it flows and how the body moves during a waltz and uh, what are some of the signature steps and then I'm going to be able to access those later on when I look into the idea of ever writing a waltz. Mm-hmm. 
Also, if a class doesn't exist, consider just requesting it. I know Doug and Jackie are very flexible in what they bring to Vegas Dance Explosion. If there's enough demand and if you can get enough dancers together who say that they will take that class, then that might become a new in-demand thing for other people who didn't know they already wanted it. Number six, create a sense of urgency. When there's something urgent that you need to get done, you just do it. Look at the following. If your boss is expecting the sales report by 5 o'clock p.m., you get it to him by that time, even if it means working through your lunch hour. If your college professor announces that the report that's worth half of your grade is due on the 30th of the month, you hand it in to her by that date, even if you have to pull an all-nighter. Create a sense of urgency when it comes to your goals by setting deadlines and making those deadlines non-negotiable. A great way to make sure that you comply with your self-imposed deadlines is by rewarding yourself if you reach them and by setting up a punishment for yourself if you don't. For creating dances, I would say competitions definitely help with that because you can have a project on the burner for months and months and months and never need to show it to anyone as long as nobody else choreographs to that song. But if you are trying to create it in time for a competition, you'll find a way to make it happen because you have to prepay for those. Yes, you do. And then you have to submit uh, step sheets prior. Yep. So you have to give yourself not only time to finish the dance, but then write the step sheet. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, that's certainly something. Um, I know myself well enough to know that um, reward or it, I mean, it's still kind of the same thing, but like a praise or a treat or something like that works a whole lot better than punishment. Mm. Um, punishment or reprimanding myself is a very easy way for me to discourage myself from ever trying in the first place. Well, one place where it seems effective is Duolingo because you have to get it done by that day. You could try to do five lessons on Saturday and none during the week, but if you don't finish it by midnight each day, you lose your streak. Yes. Um... <clears throat> but yeah I mean I guess that's true um, I don't necessarily it's hard I don't want to lose the streak because I'm so proud of earning the streak hmm. and by getting that each day that's my reward as opposed to more of the punishment if I lose it because hmm. if I lose it I lose it and I go dang that really sucks you know but I could always start over it's not you know when it's it, that's a little bit different. But yes, there is, a, there is a reward or punishment, I guess you could say, in that, for instance. But I'm, I'm more focused on the idea that I get another day. Um, another way that uh, events can help with the urgency is if you're trying to learn a dance by a certain event so that you can dance it with that choreographer. That's a big one. You, you don't always have the opportunity to do that uh, when the person's coming from overseas, as opposed to if it's like your local instructor and they choreograph something, you think like, oh, I don't know it this week, but whatever, I'll just wait till next month's social. If the person comes around like once a year, you're going to want to learn it by that time. Yeah, that's definitely a great example mm. of creating that sense of urgency. It worked on us. It did. Yeah. We've had to do that for several events now. <laughs> and this kind of ties into the next one as well. Number seven, use the power of external pressure. 
Some people have an inner drill sergeant that pushes them mercilessly until they achieve every goal that they set for themselves. Those are the people who are out jogging at 5 o'clock a.m., who study at the library until it closes, and who haven't eaten anything with wheat in it in the past 10 years. I both admire and hate these people. For those who were born sans inner drill sergeant, all is not lost. You can always use the power of external pressure to compensate for your lack of inner pressure. Ask yourself the following. How can I make others hold me accountable for the achievement of my goals? Here are some ideas. Get an accountability partner. Hire a life coach. Create a mastermind group. Accountability, or external pressure, is one of the key elements of following through on your goals and objectives. I was actually just telling you yesterday or the day before um, how when I have to be somewhere that someone else is crucially depending on me, I will be there early and I will be there ready and I will have made whatever effort. Um, I think I needed to, to meet you by like 8.20 or something like that in the morning and I was up at 6 a.m. getting ready. Um, whereas, you know, for instance, uh, today it was kind of like, mm, I don't have anywhere I have to be until later. I could sleep in, I could relax, I could watch some Netflix, I can do some this and that. And I just kind of lounged around my morning. Um, but that 6 a.m. alarm, that, that got turned off. So did the 7. So did the 8. So, like, it, I was up much, much later than, you know, a day or two before because I didn't have to have, I didn't have that accountability. I didn't have, it was like, oh, I could go to this class or I could sleep more. But because it was mostly me, it was, oh yeah, no, I'll sleep. It was, it was definitely the idea like, well, if it's just me and I'm the only one who loses out. This, in line dance, um, can be done with the external pressure as promising to teach somebody a dance that you don't know by a certain time. And because they're all counting on you to teach it, as far as they know, you already know it. And you don't have to tell me you don't know it, but you sure need to learn it in time to teach it. So that can be, um, that can be how you'll learn a lot of dances that you've been putting off forever, is just find some class where you can uh, be a guest teacher or teach in your own class um, and have it done in time to teach. Also, uh, Tim Ferriss talks about using loss aversion as a way to incentivize him to do things that he really doesn't want to do, where let's say you find... I know there's a service that he mentions that does this. It's like an anti-charity thing where you give to a charity that you don't like, like you really don't like. Like the example he gave was like some um, somebody with like somebody of Jewish descent or something like that put their money in escrow or something toward the American Nazi party such that if they didn't follow through on what they said they were going to do, the amount of money would be released to that group. They really didn't want that to happen. So they made sure to finish what it was that they were supposed to do because the stakes were that high. And this is one of those things where if you can already tell yourself like, oh, well, I don't want to do that. Like, gosh, 
I, it's so risky. Like, what if I don't do the thing? No, that's the point. Like, it's really important that you do the thing. If you're the kind of person who's giving yourself an out and you haven't even started yet, like, you really need this. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that can be done on a smaller scale by just giving money to a friend of yours. And it, hopefully the friendship will continue after this point. But you say, like, okay, here's $500. I really don't want to lose this $500. Like I could think of so many great things to do with this $500. If you are wealthy enough that you can afford to lose $500, give them more. <laughs> give them like $1,000. And tell them, tell, tell your friend, if I don't do this thing, and you'll know whether I have or haven't done it, keep the money or give it away or just like throw it from the rooftops. Do whatever you're going to do with it, but at that point, it's not mine anymore. If I do it, you give it back. You give it back right right at that moment. But uh, but otherwise, if I fail, like hold me accountable. And like I said, there are actual professional services that will do this for you if you think your friend is going to cave. <laughs> yeah, because some of us we just have friends that are that good, but also bad. <laughs> like good to us, but bad for us in the sense that they would like feel bad for us. I'm wondering how else would external pressure work for maybe choreography? Uh, well, that would be another thing. Like Just like with the teaching, you could tell people, I'm choreographing something to this song, and I'm planning to release it for this event. You need to finish it by that event, or everyone's going to call you a big liar. Yeah. Actually, maybe in line dance they wouldn't, but they'd think it. They'd think it. Maybe they'd talk about it in their Facebook like comment threads or something. I don't know. There's some really heated comment threads out there, I tell you. Yes, there is. Yeah. All right. Number eight of eight. Set aside one hour a day to work on your goals. A lot of people cite a lack of time as the reason for their failure to follow through on their goals. However, there's a way to get over this excuse. Set aside one hour a day to work on your most important goal every day. By working on your goal for an hour each day, you'll be taking advantage of the compound effect. If you keep at it, little by little, you'll achieve your goal, however big, hairy, and audacious it may be. And I'll just throw in the conclusion here. How many times have you said the following to yourself? I get started, but I don't follow through. If this sounds like you, use the eight tips and techniques explained above to create the habit of following through on your goals and to make sure that you finish what you start. Yeah, setting aside the hour a day, or at least some type of time frame, um, it, it certainly can be beneficial when learning a dance, because um, then you know, like every day, you're gonna at least have an hour to learn a dance um, and go over it, or review it, or mm -hmm. something to that extent, depending on what dance you're learning. Um, another thing, same thing with choreography. If you set aside at least an hour where you can just listen to the music, um, feel it in your body, move your feet, write it down, whatever the case may be and whatever your process might be, um, having that hour a day um, can show a lot of progress um, as well as it can be very therapeutic because you know that no matter what, you're going to have this hour to work on it. Um, and so this way you give yourself that permission that it's okay to work on it. Mm -hmm. I was reading about Eminem recently and his process for coming out with some album. I forget which one. <clears throat> but he 
and his group went into the studio and they just stayed there. Like they just locked themselves in more or less uh, for each of the days that they were working on, on that album. And little things, random things, like a bass line that is overheard in the other room leads to a hook which leads to a concept, which leads to lyrics about that concept, and then a song is done. And you don't know what you're going to find once you go into the studio if you, if you don't have a plan. But a plan may form just because you're in the studio. Yep. So that, that could apply for dancing as well. Like If you say, well, I have no ideas, but you haven't really tried, and you haven't really put yourself in a place where ideas can happen... Like, if you think it's just going to come to you in the supermarket, like, those are great occurrences when, when you're lucky enough to have them. But if you're the kind of person that needs more focus and you need to have just that unobstructed boredom of you and your feet and there's nothing else in the room with you, your brain's going to come up with something so that you don't just start, you know, bouncing off the walls and it'll start dancing for you. And then while you're just playing with whatever your feet are doing, you're like, oh, actually, no, I really liked that part. I could probably use that. Yeah. Yeah. Now, this topic, I find, is so important and interesting that we have a second article that's very similar that also, uh, while covering the general idea, has non-overlapping aspects to it as well. Some of them we might shorthand because they are similar to the ones we just mentioned. But anyhow, this one is called Eight Ways to Motivate Yourself to Finish a Passion Project Outside of Work. This is by Aaron Taub in businessinsider.com. Even people with demanding and fulfilling professional lives can have a passion project waiting for them at home that they're dying to finish. As proof, look no further than Tesla CEO Elon Musk, who in his spare time runs the spaceflight company SpaceX, or Box CEO Aaron Levy, who has become an accomplished magician. But while many of us have things we'd like to accomplish outside of our jobs, sometimes the sheer time and effort our careers require can prevent us from getting things done. On Quora, users discussed the question, how can you increase your productivity on side projects at the end of the day when you're tired from work slash college? We've collected some of the best answers. Here are some things you can do to make sure you have the energy and the focus to turn your pipe dream into a reality. Also, it occurred to me, we've been focusing mostly on choreography, but we could also apply this toward people who want to become touring instructors, because that is a long-term process, and there's a lot that needs to go into it, and there's a certain amount of follow-through that you need. So maybe that's something to keep in mind for this one as well. Number one, work on your project at least once every day. It's important to stay on track. Quora user Paul Mulwitz spent six years building his own airplane and said he's found consistency to be the key of finishing big projects. It doesn't matter if you spend just a couple of minutes or hours so long as you don't have long periods of ignoring it, he said. I've recommended this approach to at least one other builder who managed to finish his project with this advice. In addition to what we've mentioned about working for at least an hour a day, when learning a dance that's complex, like stomp your feet, and it doesn't stain your body unless you reinforce it, sometimes just doing it 
just doing that one dance, even if it's five minutes, not even a full hour, if you just do it one time every day and stumble through it, then you'll be stumbling a little bit less each time and each day you do. Very true. Also with teaching, if you're not comfortable with teaching yet, but you have a weekly class that's low stakes, like you know, the senior class that I have where they're not they're not filming me or sending my my teaches to Rachel or, or Guyton or anybody who's gonna look at that and say, Oh, he didn't mention this that sometimes this triple is called this, but other people call it this. And um if if you're just kind of getting yourself in front of people and feeling confident, uh, to do it once every day, maybe just find a friend that you can teach a dance to, or teach the clothes on your wall. I don't know why other I have clothes on my wall. Other people probably don't. Anyway, teach the posters on your wall if you're normal, and that process will still feel like it will later on when you're trying to become the touring instructor. Yeah, absolutely. And even though we mentioned like you can't hop around too much and do like eight counts of one dance and 16 counts of another when you're trying to put a whole bunch of different dances together. If you are trying to put out one dance every month and you say to yourself, okay, I'm just going to do one count today. If it's a 32 count dance and you just take a day to do like a bonus step or two days for bonus steps, then by the end of the, the month, you will have a dance. It might not be great, but you'll have a dance. And all you had to do was one extra count every day. That takes like five seconds. Any thoughts from you? I think that'd be very confusing doing the one count a day. Yes. For me personally. But that's a different story. Yeah. Um, No, I mean, for the most part, we kind of covered that with the taking the one hour a day to focus on what you need to focus on. Mm. It, as long as you, you touch on it, as long as you give yourself permission to work on it, that's that's where you're going to get better and actually achieve something. I'm so glad you said touch because my vocal director at Sonoma State University when I was doing musicals there, she would tell us during the winter break because we would do our vocal stuff in the fall and then we would learn all our lines in the spring and then perform in the spring. She said, every day during winter break, touch your script. Like, it's too much for people to be told, especially in college, look at your lines and rehearse everything that you're going to be doing or learn all the songs and practice them every day. Practice every song every day until we come back from break. She could tell people that and it would be overwhelming. What she tells people instead is, touch your script. Just put it in your hands or put your palm on the cover. And often what that will cause people to do is be like, oh, well, I mean, I'm already touching my script. I better open it. Like, how silly is it to, like, touch it and not open it? And then you open it and you're like, huh, I never noticed this part here. And, uh, you know, what was that line that the other guy was saying during my part? Like, I was, they, they, they mumble through it. So let me see what they're saying. Oh, good. There's my lines. Hey, I remember that one. And then they're, like, doing the work but they don't know going into it that they're going to do that much. Because if you told them that, then they would say, okay, well, before I do the work, I need to prepare. I need to you know, get a drink of water and I need to sit at my desk and all these other important things. Touching your script doesn't require any of that. You just need to touch your script. Just put your hand on it and you're done. Yeah. It's like the thing we were saying earlier about rigging the game in your favor. Don't tell yourself, I'm going to do 50 push-ups today if you haven't done push-ups in like three years. Tell yourself, I'm going to do push-ups until I can't do them anymore. 
and then like that can be one and you still accomplish your goal or you could just tell yourself i will do one push-up and then you're done and then you think okay come on i can do more than one push-up like what if somebody saw me and they saw me just doing one push-up that'd be embarrassing i'll do a couple push-ups i'll do like 10 and then you do 10 you're like wow i didn't know i could do 10 huh i'm stronger than i remember i can do like probably 15 or 20 and then you get through like 14 and you're like i got through 10 push-ups i totally accomplished my goal and then there were some bonus ones Number two, set up boundaries between your day job and your passion project. Sometimes it helps to clear your head after work before jumping right back into your project. The all co-founder, Choir Sisha, suggested taking a short nap right after you get home from work, while fellow Quora user Imeric Gorat found success with a half-hour video game break. The quick or moderately quick nap resets my brain nine times out of ten, Sisha wrote. Then I start my day over and get to work on job number two. I like the nap idea. Yes. And I'm a fan of naps, yes. so there's that. Um, no, it, it really is important to have that break in between what you were just doing that required a lot of effort and thought process and then your next item on your list which is going to require you know a lot of energy and thought process um i would have to be very careful with the um half an hour video game break because um i can get sucked into those really easily mm. <laughs> but um you know just taking that moment to sit with my dog or something like that and just kind of like breathe and be present and where i am and like recalibrate um, certainly helps when then I'm going to go into studying. Mm -hmm. I think also it can help to do whatever your other thing is in a different room because if you're doing your stressful stuff in one room, like your homework or whatever, and you're doing your fun stuff in a completely separate space, that can open up your mind more and not associate doing things there with stressful feelings. Yeah. And it can be tempting once you've developed that rapport with the room, that trust that if I do things here, it'll be fun. You might think, oh, well, that's good. Now I can bring my homework in here and my homework will be fun. Don't do that. There are boundaries for a reason. Like make your existing stressful space into a fun space if you think that's the outcome you want to achieve. But leave your sacred space alone. Also consider wearing different clothes or metaphorically speaking, wear, put on a different hat so that when you're doing the fun thing, you feel fun. You're not in your slacks and your blazer trying to choreograph a dance that you will be doing at an event in something completely different. Like, just feel loose and feel like you have permission to try anything and um, wear something that allows you that freedom of movement and thought. Also, I noticed this about places like Stoney's and the late Kodiak Jacks, they have ways of setting up a boundary physically between the outside world and the inside world. So the dance floor is far away from the front door, and ideally you can't even see the sidewalk from any kind of window or door um, going from the dance floor to the, the outside. Like... I like that thought that once I'm here on the dance floor, the outside world is like some distant memory. Right. One of the things I don't like about our, one, one of the places we have nearby 
is that you can walk by and any random Yahoo on like the drunken pub crawl can look in and see you doing some dance that you're not 100% confident on. Like they can judge, they can, you know, you can imagine all these things. Maybe nobody's even walking by, but you feel like they could if they wanted to. Uh, also, there are other issues we have with that space, like the size of it and the floor. But like that's one of the things related to this that I've noted in our list of ideal line dance bar uh, qualities. Yeah. There should be a distinct separation between who you are and what you're doing out on the streets of your town and who you are and what you do on the dance floor. That even applies to hotels now that I think about it because we've been at some events where there seems like there's no distinction between what other people at the hotel are doing and then what your group is doing. Like there's too much easy and free access. I love that at Vegas, it's like going down a maze from your room and then through the the gaming floor, down the hallway, down past all the event spaces or, or restaurants or anything, down the hallway of all these different ballrooms. And then you get into the ballroom and you're worlds away from any place else or any place that other people outside could access. I wholeheartedly agree. Yeah, big boundaries there. Number three, exercise. Though you might feel anxious, taking additional time away from your project, physical activity can provide the energy you need to push through after a long day of work, Jen Canfield said. Quora user Greg Blome also recommends monitoring your carbohydrates and fat intakes to achieve maximum physical and mental energy. Well, exercise. Dance. Yep. Definitely uh, check that one off. Um, One of the things I've been doing lately is I will do a 15-minute relaxing um, yoga I guess workout. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and that's allowed me to take that. This is not my normal habit. I'm not choreographing. I'm not learning a dance. Um, I'm not running. I'm not doing anything like that. I'm not working on my schoolwork or learning a lesson. Uh, but I am like breathing and I'm focusing and I'm relaxing. And it's helped to kind of. I have that little bit of that break in between the transition of things. Um, And I feel better when I'm done. I feel kind of charged and, you know, so having that exercise is certainly important. Even if it's um, a different exercise than what you'll be doing, since most of us are relating this to dancing, Mm -hmm. which is its own exercise. For choreography, sometimes if I'm feeling stuck, I'll just put on some dance that I feel confident about. Like you have clap, clap, clap that you've used and I might go with something else just so I can feel that sense of control over my body and the mental space of just kind of getting into the zone, um, getting all the endorphins flowing and then using those happy chemicals that are going through my body toward whatever the project is that I'm trying to work on. Yeah. Yeah. Number four, break your project up into a series of manageable tasks. One of the best things you can do to complete any project is to create a set of goals. That way you stay focused and reward yourself for your progress. Quora engineering manager Ka Keng Tae 
suggests creating what he calls near-term milestones, with Erica Friedman adding that she tries to complete at least one small task on her project each day. We, we've certainly touched on this in the last article. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it, it's important to break it up into smaller tasks and goals um, for multiple reasons. One, um, you always have to start somewhere. And this at least gives you a chance to focus on where to start, as well as once you get one done, you have that flow of, well, I, I could do another one. Mm -hmm. Look at look at what I've accomplished so far. I've completed that, so why wouldn't I be able to complete the next one? Mm -hmm. Also, if you're working with other people, it's a good way to make sure you're on the same page because if you both have some vague, hazy idea of what you want the end project to look like, but you don't know how you're supposed to get there, you might each think you're supposed to get there in a different way, and so you won't be able to divide the responsibilities in a way that gets the thing actually done. And in looking at a program that we're trying to bring to the line dance world, this, this has come up where we're not sure exactly all the chunks that are, have, that are going to have to go into it, but once we know what those chunks are, then we can work on them. Because it's hard to work on the finished project when you need a first step to take. You need to know what is the thing that we can finish now and feel good about, and then how can we add another thing to that. Yeah. Number five, get feedback on your work as you go. Quora user Venkatesh Rao found that one of the things that most helped him, uh, most helped him write four books while working a full-time job was the input and support of other writers. By starting a writer's group, he was able to create social pressure on himself to keep his project moving along. Group chat helps with this. And iterating as you go by sending short videos of what you've done to other people who are experienced with this, or at least have a good taste for movement. We are fortunate to have many people in the line dance community who have opened up their, their attention and brain spaces to us to send them things as we've come up with them. And we also have broached the possibility of co-choreographing with people. So not only are we receiving feedback on parts that we have come up with, but we also have an opportunity to give them feedback on what they've contributed so that we know what kind of feedback would help us. Like going back and forth, how would we want to hear it? How are we saying it? What do we need to, to be given more clarity about? And then how can we give that to someone else? Yeah, that, the first thing I thought of when I said feedback was all the people who have been generous enough to give us any type of input or feedback on anything we've done so far mm -hmm. or who are willing to be there when we have questions. Um, and a lot of that comes from just involving people, mm -hmm. uh, letting them know that this is what you're doing and this is what you're trying to accomplish and then asking for their support. Mm -hmm. And so many people... Um, in the line dance community are really good about showing support. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, definitely you can ask your local instructor, your friends, you can ask um, your mentor, you can ask 
um, a bigger uh, named instructor. That was one of the things that um, I kind of took out of the podcast interview with Rachel was when you asked her about how like people would go about co-choreographing with her. Mm -hmm. Um, And she said, well, just ask. I mean, the worst thing I can, you know, they, they can say is either a, you know, they, they don't have the time or they don't really like the song, but let's find a different song or, you know, whatever their reasons may be. I mean, like, that's the worst thing that they can say. But the best thing they can say was, yeah, sure, let's do it. Mm-hmm. So um, I just took that and kind of spun it in the idea of like, well, when I start doing this, would you be willing to give me feedback? Um do you have any tips or tricks on this? And like, I just start asking and, and worst case scenario, they don't have any tics, tips or tricks or they're not able to get back to me right away on my feedback. And that's okay. You know? Um, but I would never have gotten any of the feedback had I not asked. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Sometimes it won't be immediate, but be patient because some of the best stuff that you might receive is what takes them the longest to really coherently send to you. Because the people who are like, oh yeah, that's great, I love it. That's nice, it's nice to hear that. That took like five seconds to write, maybe seven. And the people who are really sitting on it and digesting it, putting it in their body and then trying it the next day and seeing how it feels and are writing out a nuanced breakdown of what their full sum of reactions was, that's going to take a little longer. Yeah. So have patience when receiving feedback. And know what you're in for. Know whether you just want to be patted on the back or whether you are willing to have your work torn apart because other people are going to have a different response to it than what you thought they would. Yep. That is very important. Yeah. Number six. If you're using a computer, leave the tabs and apps you're working in open at all times. This decreases what are called switching costs, the amount of time it takes for you to resume work on your project. Tay writes, I leave all my editors, browser windows, etc. exactly the way they are, so I can pick up and resume where I left off. This means I usually never shut down my computer, preferring to put it to sleep or stand by where possible. At this juncture, I should note that we have the remaining articles that we're hoping to cover in these two hours open in tabs on Google Chrome. Everything is open and accessible and easy to click, so there will be less downtime for us to tell you, whoops, we didn't open that article, better do it right now, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how many times I go through um, my tablet or my phone and I'll see like what I have open and I'll leave certain things open because I'm like, I want to come back to that. I just don't have the time to focus on it right now. Um, so yeah, it certainly is helpful to have some of those immediately at your access as opposed to being like, wait, what was that website that I was looking at that had that really cool thing on it? Hmm. Number seven, experiment with different work times to find what's right for you. Quora user Rahul Shankar says it's important to determine for yourself when you can be most productive. Try working on your project before work one day and afterwards another. Tinker with different sleep schedules. Eventually you'll find the system that works best for you. I have noticed this for myself 
in trying to do the whole morning routine that some people do where you wake up and you do all these productive things and it's so great and it's lovely that it works for them. Um, I've tried to do that and I have found it not to be helpful for me because I know myself and I know when I am most like on fire. Um, I know that if I have something difficult that I'd rather just not have to deal with, probably better to do that in the morning so that I don't have to think about it the rest of the day. Uh, I'm not the most pro uh, like creatively productive then, I think. And I find that that kind of stuff happens closer to the end of the night when I'm about to go to sleep and everybody else already has. It tends to be really late at night when I get like super creative because everybody else is shut down and it's just me and my mind working. And that helps a lot. If I'm trying to do that in like afternoon or if it's like early afternoon, like one o'clock, I'm probably ready for a nap. If it's late afternoon, I'm probably wondering what other people are doing the rest of the day. And maybe I'm, I'm missing out on something if I shut myself up in a room for three hours. But in the middle of the night, I don't even have to think about three hours going by. I'm just like playing with stuff and nobody can stop me. So yeah, that, that I find is uh, easiest for me. And if I can find a you know work schedule that, that goes along with that, like if I were, hey, let's say if I were some kind of battle rapper or whatever, like nobody cares when you get the stuff done as long as you get it done. They don't care what your schedule is. They just want to know that you can release an album by this date. Yeah. Um, I like to get like my actual work, financial work, whatever that I do not as a career, but, you know, that I do for income. I like to get that out of the way in the morning mm -hmm. um, because it frees up the rest of the day and the evening in which I feel like I am more alert, I'm more creative, I'm more um, curious about things, so I'm more willing to try new things um, during that time than in the morning, whereas I would just as happy be, you know, be just as happy sitting on the couch, um, reading a book than actually trying to like experiment with learning a dance or, um, with, um, like choreographing a dance or finding music or anything like that. Mm -hmm. Um, I find it, I, and more successful with that kind of task later in the evening. Hmm. Yeah, I, I find that if I have an end time where like there's something I need to go to later in the day, then it's like, okay, yeah, be creative, be um, experimental. But then at this time, you must stop. You must stop being creative and you must go do the other thing. I don't like that feeling. I like the idea late at night that I stop when I feel like going to sleep. Yeah. Number eight of eight. Only spend your time working on projects you're absolutely crazy about. Otherwise, Chris Lunan says, you'll never finish. As fellow Quora user John B. Peterson III put it, the best way to be motivated to work on your side project is to be doing something you can't stop thinking about. If your side project is something you spend every waking moment thinking about, then you'll find time to work on it no matter what. It's very true. Mm -hmm. The more I enjoy 
the song or the more I enjoy the dance, the more I'm going to want to learn it mm. or choreograph to it. Um, whereas, like, for instance, I, although I want to get better at instructing, I have been putting off practicing instructing um, un uh, until today, and I'm instructing later tonight. So... I, I seriously encourage the the practicing, but um, I'm I'm not very good at following my own advice. Um, whereas, like, I've spent all of the last two weeks knowing that this day was coming up, playing with songs and learning a dance and doing stuff like that, as opposed to practicing the teaching part, mm -hmm. because. I'm dreading that as opposed to um, looking forward to being able to release a new dance or dance a new one. Mm -hmm. So, Yeah, that's funny that you mentioned that. That's one of the strategies I've used um, at times when there's something that I would want to do. Like, let's say it's clean my room or whatever, and it's open-ended, it's not urgent. Uh, it could happen any time. If I have something else that I'm supposed to be doing that's more important, somehow I'll find myself cleaning my room. Yep. <laughs> to avoid doing that other thing. Yep. So it's still productive, but it makes like some other task the bad guy. Yeah. Yeah. So if there's something that you would like to be doing, maybe it would work for you to find something else that is, quote, more important that you should be doing and then have the thing that you actually enjoy doing but never find the time for. You end up doing that instead, instead of doing the big ugly thing that, you know, you'd rather not have to do. Right. Yeah. <laughs> this list was called Eight Ways to Motivate Yourself to Finish a Passion Project Outside of Work. It's by Aaron Taub, T-A-U-B-E. It's on Business Insider. We have a couple longer articles that I don't think we'll have time for today, but we also have this smaller article that's um, a little, little looser. So let's see. Let me take a quick look. Oh, wow. That's Interesting. It's long. longer than I remember. <laughs> huh. Well, we have, let's see, we have 20 minutes left. I suppose we can take a short break, give people a chance to stretch before they end up leaving in 20 minutes anyway. Um, and I hope that you will enjoy this song that we're about to put on. There is a dance for this by Ria Voss called Rebel Just for Kicks. It's improver level. There's also an intermediate dance for this that's titled the same as the song, which is Feel It Still by Will Boss. And then there's also an absolute beginner dance. I can ex describe it for you right now. Right heel, left heel, right heel twice. Left heel, right heel, left heel twice. K-step, 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 K-step. And what that is is right, touch left, left, touch right, step back right, touch left, step forward left, and then scuff or brush your right foot making a quarter turn. Step out to the right, do a little shimmy or hold, and then bring the left foot together. Step out to the left, do a little shimmy or hold, bring the right foot together. You now know the dance K is for kicks, which is an absolute beginner dance also to the song Feel It Still, which we will be putting on right now. <laughs> 